that taught me so much about how to build my life as I wanted to. Mm. And I think if Saturn return can give us anything, it's that. It's like, this is your life. You are going to die. That's what Saturn tells us. Like you are not going to Mm. be here forever. You have a very short amount of time here. Look how fast your 20s went by. Look how they they flew by. What did and it's gonna it's gonna go even faster in your 30s. And if that is true and make that true in your everyday consciousness, what do you want to do with this one precious life. This is yours to define and shape if you have the privilege to do so. And if you do, that privilege is a great responsibility that I think we have to take seriously. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to Almost 30 podcast. We're so glad you're here. What's going on? It's Lindsay and Krista. We're so glad you're tuning in. Maybe it's your first time or your millionth time. We're just really grateful. Uh, We hope to have really honest, thoughtful, inspiring, hopefully funny conversations on here so that you feel less alone. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Excited for this one. I feel like it's been a long time coming. Yes, it has. Like a goal. I remember when you told me that Chani was coming on. Chani's like, I've been following Chani for such a long time. I've done a bunch of her offerings online as it relates to my own sign, whether it's rising, moon, um, or sun sign. And I did one like a year ago. It was like, tell all me about it's relationships. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's romance. I was, and thinking, it's sex. I was thinking about that when I actually was scrolling her site. I was like, I wonder if it was, found that. it was literally something like, like the burning rose of like, you know, your heart's thorn or something. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm in. Oh, it's your sex. Oh, this is a workshop on your love, sex and sinistry. That's what I did. Yes. And look at me now. Um, <laughs> no, but she's she's been in the game for so, and I don't mean game. I just really mean this like world. She was like one of the first to talk about astrology and to really make it more mainstream, um, accessible. She has over 1 million people like that she's talking to, you know, through social media and her offering. So I'm just, I'm starstruck. Yeah, she's a badass. Her name has been around forever. And meeting her was so cool. She came to the studio. She is such a, just like badass. You know, she's so clear, direct, has been doing her thing. And she gave us such amazing advice after. So it was really fun to connect with her after about all of the things. But this episode's going to be awesome. We're going to talk a lot about her new book, You Were Born for This, which is Astrology for Radical Self-Acceptance. So this will be super helpful for you guys in understanding more about astrology and how to apply it to your life so that it's helpful. Mm -hmm. She says, if astrology does its job, 
It offers a mirror in which we see both our best selves and our growth edges, which I really, really love. So a lot of us just know astrology through, you know, Cosmo magazine reading our, you know, little monthly blurb. <laughs> but that is quite literally just such a small part. I love the Cosmo ones because it's like this week may be different at work. Buy the heels. Enjoy your weekend. (laughs) It's like so fucking stupid. Totally. (laughs) But she really gets into not only like your sun sign, moon, your ascendant. We talk about like the transits. We talk about it all. And her book goes into so much depth. So you can really dig into your whole chart and it's really easy to read. I need stuff like that to be easy to read. Yeah. (laughs) I have it actually right by my bed and Mm -hmm. it was really helpful for me to have my chart in front of me and then flip through her book into certain areas when I wanted to figure out those certain parts of my chart. Maybe it was like my sun, my moon or my ascendant and apply it to what would be helpful for me at the time. And I also love that during this conversation, we actually got personal too. We talked about her marriage um, to her beautiful wife and sort of how that's impacted her, which was really beautiful and fun um, and got to know her just a little bit better as a person. So for all you astrology fans, this is for you. For all you Chani fans, this is for you. For all you people of the world, we are hopeful this is just going to be helpful in understanding yourself better and how you interact with our lovely earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, her book is available now. You were born for this. And you can go to channynicholas.com to learn more about Channy and other resources are there too. Again, I took that workshop and I'm I'm feeling good, but she has so many on there. So explore. You can follow her on Instagram at Channy Nicholas. And a few announcements before we get into this episode. Upcoming, we have a few months out our retreat in Malibu. Uh, that is happening at Calamigos Ranch, which is just heaven on earth. We're so proud of uh, you know the time that our team has put into this, and we're just being super thoughtful about the programming and the offerings, and just creating an experience that women can truly relax, heal, and remember for a long time. Yeah. So not only is it at you know Calamigos, which is five star, the food is going to be mostly plant-based, amazing. We can adjust it to any of your dietary requirements. We have the biggest swag bags in the game full of (laughs) all of our favorite products. We'll be able to be outside, we'll be in nature, and we're going to have sessions on things like astrology, on things like Reiki, on um, social justice, on finance and and health and wellness. So it's going to just run the gamut like we do, and it'll be a fully holistic experience with other women that are just as down for transformation as you are. Yeah. And then even sooner than that, we have a digital workshop coming up with Jenna Zoe, our human design guru. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So that is on February 29th from 11 to 2, and that is going to be digital. So that allows us to make it more accessible for more people within our community. And not only do you get the digital workshop with Jenna on Zoom, you get the chance to ask her questions. You get two workshops for her on her website, and those will be sent to you through a code. So you will have $78 worth of Jenna Zoe courses sent directly to you when you buy your ticket. And then you get the digital course opportunity to ask her a question and listen to her talk about all things human design. Yeah. To learn more, you can go to almost30podcast.com, both the retreat and that digital workshop with Jenna. Really excited about that. Thank you for listening. We appreciate and love you. If you're called to write a review on Apple Podcasts, that means the world to us. Uh, We'll read one on the other side of this episode. And if this episode resonates with you and if you think it'll resonate with a friend or family member, just pass it along to them. We really appreciate it. We love you. We love you. We'll see you. See you soon. Bye.
Well, this has been a long time coming for the both of us. We've been a fan of yours, Shani, for a long time. And what's really cool is that astrology was one of the things that I think brought our community together to conversations around what some might feel is like woo-woo and out there really drew us to one another and was a safe space and a place where we could get to know one another and ourselves in a really fun way. Mm-hmm. And you were, you know, at the top of those resources for our community. So they're so excited uh, thank that you. we're talking. Yeah, it's to an you honor. Today. You're like a, you're an icon in this space, you know, so. <laughs> Um, and you've got the icon jewels on her. You guys should see her jewel stack is like it. insane. Of course, it's heirloom. You can't buy it anywhere or whatever. Um, but actually, so almost 30 started when Lindsay and I were in our Saturn return. I got out of my Saturn return surprisingly later than I thought, but that was really the the impetus for starting almost 30 was really that period in time where I felt really lost. I felt all the effects of everything that was going on and I didn't have a word for it. I didn't have an understanding of why it felt so chaotic for me in my late 20s and for Lindsay as well. And that's really why we started. So I would love to really start there, you know, just as information for the people of our community, mostly are going into their Saturn return, are in, or maybe just transitioning out, um, talking a little bit about the Saturn return and what that brings up for people. Yeah. I wish I had your charts, actually. I know. I was thinking about that too. Yeah. (laughs) Next time. Jamie, get our our charts. (laughs) Um, First off, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Saturn return, there's a couple of different ways that astrologers look at it. Some astrologers look at just the moments when Saturn is hitting the exact or transiting the exact same place that Saturn was in when you were born. I tend to look at it as a two and a half to three year period, the time within which Saturn is transiting the entire sign or house that Saturn was in when you were born. And so it is, and not all of those, not every day of that two and a half year period is the same or two year or three, because Saturn will go in and out of a sign for a little bit. It'll like in March, it's going to come into Aquarius for the first time and like 29.5 years or whatever. And then it's going to leave. It's going to go back into Capricorn and then it's going to fully go back in a little later in the year, well, in December. And so it has this, you know, planets have this way of like peeking into signs for a little bit. And that'll be like that I would count for those babies who have Saturn in Aquarius, um, who are about 27 at this point, 26, 27, they're and a, a little bit older, but they're going to start to feel the beginning effects of their Saturn return in March and for a couple of months. And then it'll recede and then it'll come back and then it will be there for a good two plus years. And so there's this time frame between 27 and 30. And some sometimes people have Saturn in a place where during their Saturn return, Saturn will roll over it back and forth three times because it'll be part of Saturn's retrograde. And so some people get really hammered with the Saturn return. And some people just have it once. Sometimes Saturn will just go over the point that it was at when you were born and it'll be that one time. But, and also if you have planets in the sign that Saturn, like conjunct Saturn or around that, or if you have planets opposed in the opposite sign or in a sign that squares it, or if you're ascendant or midheaven, like there's all these other things in your personal chart that can get tangled up in the Saturn return. And all that being said, Saturn return is a time of defining yourself for yourself. It is the beginning of that process in a, in, a, in a more mature way than you've ever done it before. Saturn has 
we call them like the full Saturn cycle is 29.5 years. That's it, getting back to the point it was at when you were born. But every seven years, it makes an aspect to itself. So at zero, you know, we're born, Saturn is in the place that it's in. At seven years old, we have our first Saturn square. Mm-hmm. And that's a time of like some kind of tough corner that will turn um, in terms of our uh, growth and maturity and psychological development. And then at 14, we have our first Saturn opposition. And we all know what 14 is like. It's it's a tough time. It's a yeah. tough corner. It's And that's the Saturn opposition is like, oh my God, who am I? I feel so small or insignificant, but I'm also struggling to try to become like a, some sort of older person. I don't know what that means. And we're awkward and we're up against a lot of authority issues. It's that Saturn opposition. Saturn uh. represents authority and structure and definition and makes things real. And so 14 is that time where we're kind of like torn apart a little bit. And then the Saturn last quarter square is happens at 21, where in, in the United States, we call that becoming an adult. And that's when you get to go drink and do all the things. But it's also when you're like, I'm not a teenager anymore. Mm-hmm. Like what does being a 20 something mean? And, and that's a, those, so the, that's like a crisis point of like, what do I take from my childhood? What does it mean to be an adult? What do I bring in? And then at 27 ish, we start, we start the process of that Saturn return. And that is a time where we're like, okay, I've done a full circle in terms of my evolution, in terms of my progress now I'm no longer going to be 20 for very, you know, like I, I'm yeah. finishing up my 20s yeah. and what I got away with at 21 is not what I can get away with at 31, I'm pretty sure. And Saturn is a planet of age and maturity and finality. There's a feeling of closing out an era of our life. And what did I start out at? What did I start my 20s with? And what did I do with them? And if I didn't do much with them, the Saturn return, or if I didn't, we all do we all do a lot in our 20s but if i didn't really apply myself in a way that made me feel like i had some sort of self respect or that i was living out something with integrity or developing myself in some way that required a lot of rigorous effort saturn return will come along and really be like just staring at you yeah. like it's it's a it's a relentless planet it makes things very real and so it brings us into form and for some of us, that feels really great. And for some of us, that feels really challenging. And all that to say, I'm sure you talk about this ad nauseum, but the 20s are a very chaotic time. And they're, I think they're supposed to be. And even people that have an, a ton accomplished in their 20s, they're still like, you're kind of coming out of this plasma goo of your teenage years and you're trying to find a form. And so the Saturn return comes along and it's like, this is this is what you've made of yourself so far. And this is, these are boundaries. And this is also who you're becoming. And it's also a time to start to separate out from the stuff that you, you grew up with and, and to start to separate out from needing family in the ways that you might have in your twenties. It's like time to like cut the cord in those psychological ways, maybe even the financial ways, maybe even different ways or in some way come into your own as an adult? That was a long answer. Oh, I love that. What what was your experience with your Saturn return? Mm. Great question. I moved to LA from Toronto. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. love Toronto. <laughs> I was just there. It was very great. Although it's really great here today. Yeah, I moved to LA and I really, for the first time in my life, I think, was able to start 
a brand new path for myself. I left all of the things that all of the people, all of the relationships that I was really leaning on for a lot of support. And I came here on my own. I had never been to LA. I just moved here with like $1,200 and one person who needed a roommate. And she ended up leaving me her car and I had no job. And she let me not pay rent for, I think, two months. I, th- I should probably send her a check. Yeah, what a um, girl. Wow. <laughs> she was an incredibly generous woman. And yeah, I eventually pieced a life together, but it was this really intense struggle and it was very lonely in a lot of ways. And that's Saturn is also can be isolating in a way or like it forces us to face ourselves or deal with ourselves in a way that we might not have had to before. Mm. And I did that, but LA was also this like bright, sunny, shiny place that I was so happy to also be here, even though it was so hard. What was the hardest part? Like when you first moved, because I know, you know, I hear from people that are kind of in, yeah. we have a lot of people in our community who are kind of about to move in yeah. that Saturn return. Yeah. Mine was a move as well to yeah. LA. So was so there anything that just kind of like made you really like shift into your form or kind of challenge through that? Yeah, everything. I mean, I I didn't know anyone and to try to meet people in LA and I was living in the Valley and I was just really, I just had to find everything for myself. And this was before, I mean, there was MySpace back then. Yeah. Right. Like there wasn't like Twitter. You couldn't just like ask people like, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was, I like, if you didn't know people, you kind of had to like hunt for them. And so it really, I'm very big. Saturn's really huge in my chart. And so I'm very big on like trying to figure out the most intense obstacle to overcome and then seeing if I can do it. So I I had many times before that entered into situations. I was like, this is going to test every single fiber of my being. And that's kind of where what I get off on, I think. And so I was like, I'm going to figure out how to make it here. And it took years and a lot of effort but it taught me so much about how to build my life as I wanted to. Mm. And I think if Saturn return can give us anything, it's that. It's like, this is your life. You are going to die. That's what Saturn tells us. Like you are not going to Mm. be here forever. You have a very short amount of time here. Look how fast your twenties went by. Look how they they flew by. What did, and it's going to, it's going to go even faster in your thirties. And if that is true and make that true in your everyday consciousness, what do you want to do with this one precious life. This is yours to define and shape if you have the privilege to do so. And if you do, that privilege is a great responsibility that I think we have to take seriously. Completely agree. For you, was it, did you come to to do astrology? Was astrology forever in your life or what was that relationship and where did it come in? I got my first reading when I was 12 years old and it blew me away. And I was like, oh my God, this woman is telling me things that I feel, I just Aww. felt like I knew what she was talking about, but I didn't have the language and she had written a book and I, I, I got the book and was devouring it ever since, but I didn't want to be an astrologer. That was not a career path that I wanted. Um, I came here for acting like everybody else. And then I ended up doing a whole bunch of stuff. I was a waitress and a bartender and a, I don't even know what, a million things. And I did, I I volunteered at a center in the Valley called We Spark, which is a cancer center. And I did Reiki there. And then I started teaching meditation. And then I did my yoga teacher training and did 
yoga there. And I also did it in San Quentin prison as part of like a restorative justice work there. I went back to school. I dropped out of a lot of grad school programs and I was teaching yoga for a lot of the time that I was here in, in a lot of like regular old yoga spaces and then all the other places that I could kind of get into and, and try to work with people because I wasn't fulfilled in a kind of mainstream yoga space. Um, it was challenging for me to be in it. And it was at that time that I, st- I went back to school. And then I, I, after dropping out of three grad school programs, I was like, you know what? What if I just put all this energy into astrology? Because it's really the only thing that ever worked. It was the thing that people wanted from me. But yeah. I was like, I don't want to be an astrologer. That's not like a real profession. And I wanted something that was going to, I wanted something, that sounds so ridiculous now, but I wanted something that was going to bring me into the world. Like I didn't think, I felt like astrology was just going to relegate me even further into the outskirts of society. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in that kind of a domain and I just really wanted to be part of some kind of social change and healing. And I wanted to be at a, in a place where I could be a, my profession could intersect with other other professions. And I just was like, astrology is going to just put me way out into the, you know, nosebleed seats. It's funny because like, from my perception, it's like the opposite because it's like astrology for me is able to plug into everywhere and everything and everyone, you know, because it's really the study of self. So it's like- But but, it's really new. Of course. That it's so in pop culture. Like it's not new. This isn't the first time it's happened, but it's the first time it's happened like this. Like, and none of our careers would have happened 10 years ago, right? There was no podcast. There was none. Like we didn't have access to each other the way we did. We had to go through the machine and the man and the system. And uh, so given that paradigm, which is what I started out in, I was like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to write for Cosmo probably. And then how else am I going to speak to people? Yeah. And now you are like a bridge, I think, like for people to have like that accessible um, information around astrology where they can really digest digest it. And it's a at a, I don't know if higher level is the right, that right wording for it, but if people are just reading in magazines. They're like, oh, okay, like Virgo this day. Yeah. But now to be able to dig deep and like Krista said, plug in and apply it everywhere you yeah. go in relationships and business yeah. in your health, life, everything is yeah. like super empowering. And I feel like you are at the forefront of that. Like, did you ever, yeah. when, when did that shift where you became that bridge and were offering like these really comprehensive conversations, resources for people. And you felt like you were reaching people in a different way than the mainstream astrology. Well, I started writing horoscopes. I love writing and it is definitely a very important part of how I facilitate my energy and connect with people. And I, you know, I was, I've always, I've done readings for like 20 years for people or more. And I, I never was totally comfortable having that be the only part of how I made a living because it's, one-to-one work is so important and it's so important to work. If you're into astrology, it's so important to find a professional astrologer that really knows their stuff, that's really steeped in the traditions that they're a part of and really knows what they're talking about. And I just kept every reading I gave, I was like, I wish I could just tell people the basics of this and then we could have a much deeper conversation. Or I wish people could own this information for themselves. And if they could, they would need a lot less from me. And 
that's where I always function from. I'm like, I don't, I don't want you to need me. I want you to need this system because it's not me. I'm just, I'm just like part of a huge, long thousands of years of lineage of people who are like, oh, this means this and that means that. And if you can build a relationship with this thing, this planet, this part of your chart, this part of your life, I think you could really get to something that felt meaningful and deep and supportive and, and really fulfilling for you. And if that's true, like I think it's there's astrology is an incredibly complex system, but there are some very simple things that I that I think we could all again, if the language speaks to you, pick up and utilize. And that's why I wrote the book. It's a it really is an intro book. It's an intro astrology book into your chart. And I'm and I just want to be like, okay, let's just focus on these three keys. And if you can, and then you start adding everything on top of that, you're going to come up with an incredible mosaic. That is a picture of your life as you are meant to live it out. And I promise you, if you develop a relationship with that, you will get somewhere that feels incredible and things will start to open up for you that you couldn't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And I only know that because that's my experience. I came in with really nothing. Like I didn't come into life with a ton of support or I have white privilege. I have ability privilege. I have cis privilege. I have those privileges and they're huge. And beside, and, and personally, I didn't come in with a ton of education. I didn't come in with a ton of familial connections. I didn't come in with much, but a lot of childhood trauma. And so working with my chart and working with the astrology has been one of the biggest pieces of my healing and really accepting what my chart said and having the like having my understanding of what the what my chart said and intersecting that with my greatest passions or the things that gave me energy and gave me life is what allowed me to give myself permission to write and doing that changed my life and my chart the ruler of my ascendant is in the third house of writing and teaching and communicating and giving out messages. And once I saw that, once Demetra George took me through my chart in this way and really made that explicit and clear, I was like, okay, I'm in. What, what would happen if I was just in? And then I met my wife and like everything literally within a couple of months just fell into place. And that was in my, I was in my thirties. I had done a shit ton of work on myself. Like it wasn't just, just that moment, but it was everything. And then that moment was like a, it was like the domino and then everything kind of opened up. I want to just touch on one thing before we go into the book. And then I want to talk about your social justice work too, because a lot of girls in our community were asking about that, just you being so prominent in that space. But when you're going all through these things and you are you know, dropping out of grad school three times and you're feeling like- <laughs> Racking well, up a lot of debt. Exa- yeah, as, as you do. It's always just so fascinating. Like we look at you now, you have all these programs, you have a book, you're so established in the space, all these things, but you went from that place where you didn't know and you were lost and you were racking up debt. So how did you feel during that time? Did you feel hopeless? Did you feel lost? Like, was that like, how did you get yourself through it? Yes, I felt incredibly frustrated and so angry. And like I write in the book, full of a lot of self-pity and self-doubt and self-hate and rejection and all of those things. And the thing I had going for me is that I had no choice but to just work. No one was supporting me. I was single. I was like really broke and really in debt. And I was just like, I've always had to hustle. No one was going to make this happen for me. And I think that is my greatest blessing. I 
I know folks, I, I see how hard actually it can be on people when they don't have to struggle. Mm-hmm. And I don't want unfair struggle for folks. And I think that there's a lot of struggle that is unnecessary, but there is also necessary struggle. It makes us stronger. It helps us to understand our capacity And so I just had no choice but to keep going. I still felt sorry for myself. I still had a lot of self-loathing. I still had so much fear and so much resentment. And so I was so defended and defensive. And also I never stopped going to therapy. And God bless my therapists and Reiki masters and everybody else because they let me come for next to nothing. Like I had no money and people let me come for $35 or people let me make them soup in exchange for things. And that also is something that shouldn't be. <clears throat> there should be equal access to healing. We right. should have yes. healing justice. But, and also it took those people working and putting in a ton of labor into my life to make this happen. And so I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for their generosity and their love and belief in me. Yeah. So it was that. It was a relentless desire to heal. And I just felt like I was like, I know that I I always knew I had such incredible ambition. I just didn't know where to put it. Mm. And so it was, and by the uh, grace- Yeah, I of, actually really relate to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you just have this drive yep. and you just feel like you're chomping at the bit, but yep. you don't know what, where to mm. go and what totally. to do with it. And again, the industry, uh, my career couldn't have existed when I felt like that. And so- I, again, I write in the book, like sometimes you have to wait for the world to catch up and all these things to align. And my wife is also 12 years younger than me. So I, you know, I was 38 when we met. I was, I felt like, oh my God, I'm never going to meet somebody. And this is never going to happen for me. Like I was single for so long and so lonely. And so all those things. And so I'd just be like, well, there's nothing else for me to do, but go back to work and go back to the drawing board and go on another date. And I just didn't have another choice. So you just do it. And you try, I tried to be in gratitude. I tried to, you know, be close to the people that love me and be good to them. And, and you just keep, you just keep going into one action. You just do like, what is today? I was also in a lot of recovery programs and you know, like I just had a lot. I just kept seeking out where are people that have done something like this before, who knows what, and like inundating myself with recordings of speakers that I loved or, you know, just like the messages that I needed. So because I had grown up in such an isolated situation and because I was, you know, my story is one of, of severe neglect of my childhood, I always had to figure out how to how to get through, like how to make dinner or how to <laughs> turn the heat on yeah. or, you know, like some things like that. So I was always like, okay, it's always up to me anyways. And that's not true, but I had that like, well, I've always been in this place where I've got to figure it out. So that's, uh, was a, is a hindrance in some ways, but it's also what got me through those hard, hard years. I relate to that. Yeah. Does, you know, when looking at your chart or anyone's chart, does does trauma show up in a chart? Meaning yeah, like, totally. yeah, like yeah. how, what does that look like? How can you kind of track that? Yeah. You, well, you look at certain combinations. So Uranus is a planet of upheaval and chaos. It's a planet of rebellion and disturbing the status quo. But if it's close to say your moon or something like your sun or the ruler of your ascendant something or, or your ascendant itself, if it's making a hard aspect to it, 
then the turbulence is is significant usually in somebody's life. And that can be something that we've um, inherited from our lineage. It can be something that we've experienced ourselves. Mm. And so it depends on how it manifests in the person's life. But I definitely look to that planet to see a break, that something that's broken. And also Mars is a really, it's a Mars and Saturn are the problem planets. Okay. <laughs> Pluto is a planet of like underworld experiences. So people that have literally experienced like abductions or being consumed by somebody's jealousy or rage or uh, power and control over like abusive relationship dynamics, you, I would definitely like be like, where's Pluto? What's going on? There's some asteroids that I also look cool. towards to depending on the person's story. And then like Mars and Saturn can really just do a ton of damage in depending on if you have a day chart or a night chart. Mm. Um, Like in a a day chart, I have a day chart. Mars is the hardest planet in my chart. It's not actually the planet that does the most damage though. Saturn is really messed up in my chart and is talks all about the isolation that I, that I experienced. Right. So Saturn is literally like walls and boundaries. And so because it's in such a hard aspect to my son, it's always, I've always felt, like quarantined or like mm. put away. And I actually do spend a lot of time in studios and in, yeah. in spaces where I am actually quarantined and I need that. And so I've learned how to work it in a good way. It's like home. And yeah. sorry. And also um, Saturn's a lot about discipline and structure and order. And the more I've been able to use that in a positive way, the better. So no matter what is in your chart, no matter, and I write about this at, like online a lot, but the most difficult parts of my chart have demanded that I develop everything that's made me successful. And I don't think we should ever underestimate that. Like you never want to see something difficult. Like if you have a child and you know astrology and you look at their chart, you'd be like, oh God. And I have that parents do like text me like, um, what does this mean? But, but, and also when you look at your chart, if you see something or if you read something in the book that freaks you out, just please know that those are the places that will generally demand that you work on something that you wouldn't normally work on. Yeah. So I have a lot of planets in their detriment and fall so they act, they're in situations that are really uncomfortable for them. And so they act out in ways or it makes it makes me feel like my life set up as like one where I'm like, oh my God, I don't have what I need. But because of that, I've had to develop all the things that I wanted to give myself. And then it's it's mine. You know, like no one gave this to me. I like a, a lot of people helped, and it's not just me and, and my wife and everybody that's, you know, put their love and energy into me. It's all them. But I chose to, you know, direct my life in a certain way. And it was up to me to make sure that I got to the places and the people that I needed. And you can see that in my chart. And with that, so Reiki is a big part of my life too. I'm I'm Reiki level three as of uh, recently, and it's really made an impact. But I do want to talk about the astrology in relation to other healing modalities and how astrology can be a healing modality on its own and then how it can connect with other parts of healing or other ways to heal. Yeah, so I, my dad's third wife, her mom was a Reiki master. And I met her when I was 11 before a lot of this. And the moment I met her, I had like this voice inside that rose up. It was like, she knows how to get out and do whatever she says, follow her. And it was just like this huge, like it was, it was an, it was an, it felt like an initiation just being in the room with her. 
Mm. She's a very, very powerful healer. And I really begged her to let me take a Reiki workshop with her from the time I was 12. And she finally at 14 was like, okay, come. She was like, you're too young. You can't come in. So at 14, I started studying with her. And um, she's the kind of Reiki master that she doesn't, like she'd make everybody come and take workshops for a year before you could do your level two. And then she didn't, she didn't really uh, initiate people into being a Reiki master that often. It was a very rare occurrence. So I came up through a very rigorous lineage in terms of Reiki. And she was initiated by Phyllis, who is Takata's granddaughter. And there's a lot of, I understand now that there's a lot of chaos and the disruption around who has the lineage, who's the lineage holder, but that was my lineage. So I always came up with that story. And so I studied under her. She let, I did every Reiki workshop she'd let me do from the time I was um, 14 to the time I left at 29. She's in Toronto. And so through her, she was the one who got me that first astrology reading. And she was the one, all of her friends Dad were like- Dad picked a good one. That, that third wife. <laughs> <laughs> she was, was the best. Was are they good. still together? They are, they are. Yes, they are. all right. Yes. Yeah. Third time's a charm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, she, so through her, I met astrologers and psychics and past cool. life regressionists. And so I spent my teenage years just listening. I didn't want to go out and party. I just wanted to sit at the table and listen to them and- her husband um, was a tarot card reader. So on Friday night dinners, we would sit around and read everybody's cards. And so it was always together for me. That, that is to say that all of it was always interwoven. Not that they're not specific disciplines in and of themselves, but I never thought that one thing was the answer. Like astrology is not the answer to everything. It's a great tool for reflection, but then you have to go and go to therapy or go to Reiki or do and do your yoga, whatever your things are, it's all complementary. It all is a tool for self-reflection and self-knowledge and for healing. And they all are different and they all kind of resonate with each other. And so if you're into symbolic languages, like my therapist is a Jungian therapist. And so you know her specificity is dream work, but it's also that's a symbolic language. And so we can talk astrology because it's it's part of the same canon. And so she can be like, oh, well, how does this relate to your astrology right now? And, and then I can be like, oh, well, this planet and that planet. And she'll be like, oh, okay. And then she can take the archetype in terms of her own system and talk about it with me in that way. So I don't think any one thing is the only thing that we need, but they certainly, it's really great if we can find things that go together and can complement each other. Mm, love that. When someone's looking at their chart, and I think we we have our charts just in case. We do have them on our phones now. <laughs> but when someone's looking at their chart, is are there aspects of their chart that they might not think are important that, and I know you talk a little bit about this in the book as well. I was, you know, as I was reading and mainly focusing on myself, yeah. but also people close to me, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Like I've never really read into this aspect or- uh, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. So I'd love for you to just kind of hit on on some of those that people can can read into more because they are so important. I think we just look at the sun, moon, and yeah. rising. But yeah, it's really. I mean, astrology is really about how the sky looked when you were born, and who is talking to who. You know, like what planets are talking to which ones, and what does that mean? And so, in the again, this is an intro into all of those concepts and the and those planetary formations, but you know, it's really important to know like, oh, my son is being trined by Jupiter and that's a really 
huge boon and gift that I've got. And it's, it's Jupiter. So it's bringing the qualities of confidence and optimism and abundance and wanting to go big and being, you know, boisterous and, and what have you, but also like, where is Jupiter? Where is that blessing coming from? What, what house, what sign does it do well in it? And so there's, there's a million factors Mm -hmm. to seeing the quality of connections between one planet and another in our chart. Like your son is never I very rarely is it just hanging out with without talking to anybody else. And so, okay, you're a son in Virgo, but the, if it's being challenged or gifted by another planet, it's going to majorly color how and what that means for you. And also the house that it's in, like where are you supposed to shine? What space are you supposed to take up? What, what does that mean for you? How does that show up in your life? And do you allow yourself to do that? Is it a desire that you you withhold from yourself or you give to yourself or all those different things. Right. If someone says, just as a follow-up, like, yeah. you know, if I'm a Virgo son and like, if I were to say, which is true, like, I don't feel like a Virgo a lot, yeah. of, the time, a, a yeah. lot of the time. However, when I am in like flow, yeah, I feel more of my Virgo. Mm. You know what I mean? What does that mean? I feel, yeah, I feel more organized, focused, mm-hmm. I just kind of have this like grounded energy. Mm. My moon is in Gemini. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just like, I'm curious when people don't really relate to that yeah. sun sign in particular, like what that means. Yeah, I relate to that. I'm Pisces sun. Uh-huh. Well, I, a lot of times I think it, a lot of times people might not understand what the combination is about. There's that. But I always start with the rising sign. I actually mm. wanted to start with the rising sign in the book and- you're, you're never writing a book alone. You've got <laughs> publishers and other people to deal with. But Loud and clear, baby, loud and clear. <laughs> um, but the rising sign is so important because it's the gateway into your chart. It, the rising sign is the most specific personal point in the chart because it is the, it's li- the literal moment you took your first breath. And it's the sign, the part of the sky that was rising up over the Eastern horizon, which is the part the point in the sky where the sun rises and the stars, mm. right? So it's the rising of life. It's the rising of energy. And when you as a being went and inhaled for the first time, that's when your spirit, your soul said, yes, I'm coming in. I'm in body now. I'm here. And that rising sign is the mark of that. Ah. And so whatever's there, if there's planets that were also rising there, that's all marking the yes of you personally. The sign that your son was in, you share with everybody else that was born in that 30 some day span. But the rising sign, you only share with the pers- people that were born at the moment, at, within the hour or two, at that same location in that same city as you. Otherwise, it's changing. Every right. couple hours, it changes. Right. And the degree that it is at is really important. That's why I'm not big on cusps because each degree is ruled by a planet in, a, in certain systems. Oh, wow. And each degree can mean something in other systems. And then any planets that were there in your first house that were in that sign, they're going to they're going to be, they're going to demand that you inhabit them and that the archetype of them be lived out through you. And so all those factors can be wildly different than an interpretation of the sign that the sun was in when you were born. Also, the sun is being aspected by other planets. Mm. So if you're a Virgo, you know, sun, but your sun is being squared by Neptune, you're going to be very different than than what the textbooks say about your Virgo sun. Right. Okay. So it's really about the again the relationship between the planets and where they are. 
what that what that can mean for you. You know, Virgos, there's an introverted energy to it. Mm-hmm. And so the way you shine is there's got to be a, a, um, a part of there being like an internal processing mm-hmm. and an internal organizing. We focus a lot about Virgo being externally anal and, and organized, but it's really about how you take information in, how you process it, how you integrate it, and what you make from it. Because right. Virgo at the end of the day is like, how do I make this useful? Mm. How do I apply this? How, do, how can I use this as part of a medicine or part of a, some kind of, because in the end, Virgo wants to help heal. Mm. It's very, because it wants, because things that are organized and streamlined get to work. And if things are working, things get worked out uh, more easily. Yeah, and so it is about that. that flow in yeah. a sense. That feels true. Does that <laughs> feel true for you? Yeah, it definitely. That feels true. true. Yeah, definitely. I love when you hear one. You're like, yeah, that's one's a good one. <laughs> you're like, okay, yeah, I'll take that one. I want to talk about the one of the questions from our community was about nodes, mm-hmm. and they were curious about um, North Node versus South Node. Yeah, very different. Yes, like yeah. what were the differences? When do we yeah. use each? Well, they're always just existing. So nodes are points in space. They're not planets, but they're and where- they don't change. They for, do. For the person? Oh, well, your chart is a snapshot. So that snapshot always stays the same, but nodes are always moving because um, they're about the intersection of the ecliptic and where an eclipse will happen. If the sun and moon and earth line up on that point, then okay. we know that there's going to be an eclipse. Um, South node and north node are very different. They're actually oppositional. And in the in how I've been taught and how I like to see them is, you know, there's a lot of different myths the world over that when an eclipse happened, it was a, a dragon that encircled the earth that would eat the sun or moon. And that is the head of the dragon and that's the north node. And then the the tail of the dragon is the south node. And so the north node is known for its desire and its hunger and its appetite. And there's an insatiable kind of chaotic nature to the North Node. And so a lot of, you'll see a lot of like pop stars or celebrities with the North Node in a really prominent place because that hunger and desire and need might not be something that they consciously have, but it's something that needs to get lived out. And it is a need for material things in a lot of ways. And then the South Node is a place of releasing. It's like a, it's almost like a, unplugging and something gets drained. And so it can feel like a draining of energy. It can feel like a loss, but, and also it is a point that is much more kind of like spiritual in nature because it's about the releasing and the letting go of material possessions or uh, the releasing of things that get in the way of our own kind of spiritual growth. And so both are problematic and chaotic and also exciting and do their own thing. And in different astrologies, like in Joytish and Indian astrology, they're looked at as like, as like planets. They're looked at almost as like outer planets and they're given a huge amount of emphasis. I tend to look at them in a chart when they're really close to something. So my wife has Venus it conjunct the North Node, in, and she has this huge appetite for love mm. <laughs> and relationship. And um, it's not something that you might know about her when you just meet her up front because she's very business and she's very intense and she's very very powerful. But she has this, you know, this. She's always had this huge desire for relationship and love, and you know, waited for the right one. But was, you know, with me, she's incredibly loving and and our relationship is very much the center of our 
of both of our lives. But mm-hmm. you can see that we joke about how hungry her Venus is. <laughs> how insatiable. Like she couldn't You're in the booth all day and she's yes. like, my Venus is hungry, babe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot I of benefit people- greatly from it. Oh, I was going to yeah. say it's yeah. perfect for yeah. yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people do turn to astrology, at least, you know, in our community when they are, you know, if they're single and looking for love, yeah. um, a partner in relationship, other aspects of the chart and like just the, if, if you're looking at it kind of like when you pinpoint a Saturn yeah. return, but can you tell like in a chart, like when, oh, when love, you're going to find when somebody? love could come in oh, or how one. it would come in? There are definitely astrologers that specialize in that kind mm. of thing. And I will say that it works a lot of the times and then doesn't in yeah. other ways. So astrology is definitely a system of prediction. I don't tend to focus on that, mm-hmm. that appendage of it. Um, but what I can say in the, ch- in, that's interesting in the chart is that you can tell the kind of qualities that you're going to need from a partner by looking mm. at certain parts of your chart and the planets that rule that part. So if you want to look at committed partnerships and you look at the seventh house, uh, okay. any planets that are in it and the ruler of that house and where it is. So the ruler of my seventh house is in my first house, which means that my partners, first house is self, seventh house is, is partners. Uh-huh my partners need to work with me. <laughs> and my wife is my business partner. Oh, wow. oh no she, way. Yeah, she edited this book. Wow. She doesn't have formal credit. I wanted to give it to her, but again. So she's the one that puts sun first. Uh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. You're like, we're still fighting it. Yeah, honestly, yeah. we're pissed. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's the one that gave me the format and structure, actually, okay. cool. for the book. And she edited every single word with me. It was a traumatic bonding experience. (laughs) It was a lot. But she's the one who's helped me to construct every aspect of the business and the way in which I teach everything. She taught me how to teach. And so without that, I wouldn't be where I am. So my relationship setup is literally like that person, my, you know, Demetra George, my teachers, like when she first looked at it, she giggled because she was like, well, you need somebody to serve you. <laughs> and my, you know, my wife is an incredible activist and she has her own nonprofit. It's a national nonprofit and that works with uh, folks that are survivors of domestic violence, intimate partner violence, doing uh, financial justice work and being at the nexus of those two things. And she also helps me. Wow. She works with me. She's, you know, the creator, my business, you know, co-creator and does all of this with me. And I wouldn't... They, it, this success wouldn't be without her billion percent. It's beautiful. Yeah. Could you reiterate again that that point that you made with the the houses and why yeah, she so, fits? Oh, why she does? Because the planet that rules my seventh house. Yeah. So the planet that's in charge of it is in my first house of self. So the my partners need to work with me. Ah. Um, it's a little bit of a selfish setup. I, I need them to facilitate the me of my life, the, yes. my talent, my work. Like I have to have that. And it was funny because before her, I always like wanted that from my partners, but they didn't give it to me in the way that mm. I wanted. And I remember the moment I realized that she had that thing. We were like, it was like probably like two in the morning. We had we had just moved in together and we were working on something for for the business together. And I was, I just looked over at her and I had this like overwhelming sensation. I was like, wow, She's willing to work as hard as I am. And she's as dedicated to, to this thing as I am. Mm. And it, I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be wild. Wow. <laughs> and we do, we work. 
as hard as we need to on every single thing we do. And it's a rare, uh, I think, quality in a person that is as committed to the quality of work that is going to be put out as you are Mm -hmm. and cares that much about doing that with you. And I, yeah, it's the like a dream come true for me because I just didn't have, I didn't have those resources. Like I just, I don't, I, I'm not a natural, you know, at a lot of the things that she is. And so I always think, you know, finding the partnerships mm-hmm. that are a good fit for you, they don't have to be romantic, of course, it, but any kind of collaboration where that person has the things that you don't is, is magic. You get to potentiate each other. Like the the relationship becomes more than the sum of its two parts. So it's mm-hmm. you know it's like I'm so much more with her than I could be could have done on my own. It's just impossible for me to hold all those things. How has love changed you <laughs> in every conceivable way? Uh, she teaches me how to be like a better friend, a better family member, a better business owner, a better writer, a better human. She, she has this ability. She's so thoughtful, you know, like she is so hardworking and she's so intelligent and she's so strategic and she's so incredibly thoughtful. She's always going underneath the surface of what's happening and trying to read human behavior and, and really trying to understand the needs of everybody involved. Um, And so she's always able to stop and be reflective. And I think that that is such an incredible gift. And I think it's what most of us don't know how to do because we're in fear so much and we're in panic and we're in survival mode. And so we talk a lot about what does it mean to be out of survival mode and what does it mean to live in abundance? And I think that there is no abundance abundance if we have to stay in survival mode all the time. That's There's scarcity in survival mode. And it's obviously something that's outside of our control until we get to the space and the time and the healing modalities. And again, all that has to do with privilege and access and getting out, reminding ourselves that we're not in crisis at at the moments that we're not in crisis and that we have the privilege to stop and think and breathe and be is like this incredible access point into all of the abundance that you need and want in your life and how to also share that. And so she teaches me how to do that endlessly because I'll just be go, 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 go and in flight or fight fight or flight mode um, (laughs) if I'm left to my own devices. So she reminds me to chill and slow down and be more thoughtful. How how do you remedy, you know, talking a lot about, and this is something like a personal question that I think about a lot with the healing modalities that you have access to and that you've been granted access to and moving out of a scarcity mindset to abundance mindset and remedying the privilege that you've had, mm-hmm. you know, asking for personal, I, I yeah. struggle with this and think about this a lot is yeah. how do I move into abundance mindset myself? How do I stand firm in the belief of the people that have helped me heal previously, yeah. but also not feel ashamed for, be aware and acknowledge, but not feel ashamed of, yeah. of privilege that I've been provided. I think it requires a great thoughtfulness. And uh, a, I think that privilege is can be deconstructed and counteracted by really wanting to listen 
to other folks and to learn and to be available to be to be available to our shame around the privilege to be available to humility while learning how to deconstruct it and maybe even use it for some something that's not damaging and i think that it's really important to pay attention and to try to think about how, what I might be missing in this situation. Like what, what is my privilege obstructing in this moment? Like how am I not being able to bear witness to the full humanity of something? Where am I, where am I objectifying people or situations? And how have I been taught to do that? And how does this false power that I have rely on my ability to continue doing that? And so I think if I'm in that place of questioning, uh, then then that is a way of being like, oh, that's also, okay, there's my shame about getting that person's pronouns wrong or about you know making an assumption about something. Okay, that's shame and it can be useful to me in the moment in terms of being like, oh, I did something that isn't, I would like to do it better. And then using that shame to course correct and then moving on from it. Because shame compounded is no good. And it's only, it's only useful if it helps me to adjust my behavior and change my behavior. And that, as we know, is the real apology <laughs> to anybody. We can say, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. But, and also if we do it again, it doesn't matter. Mm. So it's like, how do I help? How does, how does my shame help me to shift my behavior and to also help me to open up to a greater understanding of the human condition and, and human experience? And if that, if I can use that in that way, then it can really, it can, it can be beneficial. But if I, if I wallow in my shame, then I'm actually just being more self-centered and taking up more space and, and being more annoying than I was before. (laughs) And I'm curious too, like being here in LA and, you know, we, we kind of navigated as well where these modes of healing, um, of learning more about ourselves are kind of put on a pedestal, whether under an umbrella of like this type of wellness that costs this much and this is who can access it. I'm just, I'm wondering how you navigate it and use discernment Mm -hmm. to say yes to opportunities, to say no, and really kind of create that new paradigm, Mm -hmm. hopefully that we're shifting into. I don't know. I don't know if we're shifting, but it kind of feels like these small choices can make the shift. Yeah. I really, I've said no to a lot of things. I don't show up to a lot of places that have invited me if I don't feel like the paradigm that they're coming from is actually about systems change. So I'm interested in healing, but I'm really interested in systems change. Mm -hmm. And if, if someone's asking me to do something and it's not kind of a part of that, then I'm not really that interested. There's a reason why we're so wounded. There's a reason why there's so much chaos and pain in the world. And it's be, it's in large part because of the systems that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested in, in talking about that and wherever I can go and have a conversation with somebody who is in that line of work and who's already doing that. That's what I'm interested in. And that's where I put my energy. And I just don't really worry about the rest. Like when you say no, no to someone who... 
where the systems aren't changing or it's just kind of or where murky, it's up, like, upholding. Like if exactly, there's a lot of healing, exactly. there's a lot of the healing industrial complex that totally upholds white supremacy yes. and upholds homophobia or cisnormative, heteronormative kind of landscape, mm-hmm. a thin, a thin privileged kind of weird wonky way of being engaged with what they call health. Um, if, if we're not, if, if there aren't, Black and brown and queer and trans folks uh, at the center of the organizing of a space, then there's a problem, right? Um, especially if we're talking about healing, and especially if we're talking about wellness, because white supremacy and colonization and heteronormativity and the rest is an ableism, and all of it is the most damaging, toxic, harmful things that we have to live within, and and it is our duty, especially if we have privilege to talk about that and yeah. to tend to be like, how do we actually deconstruct it? Like, what does that mean? So, you know, again, in our house, we talk about it all the time. Like it's my wife's work besides the business is to disrupt gender-based violence mm-hmm. and especially how it impacts people financially. Right. Cause we don't talk about that. Right. So if we're going to talk about wealth equality, we also have to talk about how, how domestic intimate partner violence, sexual violence factors into how somebody can make money and actually keep themselves safe. Right. And that is a systemic thing. It's a, it's a communal thing. It's, it's domestic violence, intimate partner violence is not a private issue. It's an issue that is upheld by the systems and the structures that we live within and the agreements that we have with each other, both unconscious and conscious. Have you been able to like invite those opportunities into conversation? Like, I guess what I'm asking is like, is it just a no, no, thank you? Or is it a, this is how I'm feeling. This is the why behind the no, or mm-hmm. is it not even, because you know, there are some no's that we've made where yeah. we know our why yeah. and would it be worth it to yeah. enter into conversation where it's like, hey, this is, this is why we said no. We'd yeah. love to talk about this. Maybe there's an opportunity for change in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I've said that, and but I stopped the conversation there because mm. I don't have time yeah, to then walk you through the thing. Yes. But like this is this, you could know that this is why I'm saying no. Yes, and then you can go do the work around it if you want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then sometimes you're just like, well, that's just a whole industry that's like <laughs> not interested <laughs> yeah, in change. Absolutely. So I'm good. I'm just going to keep it moving <laughs> and yeah. be useful where it can be useful. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for I asking. I just, my last question, I want to talk about 2020. Okay. Astrology. Yeah. Like, what is in the forecast? <laughs> what should we be looking out for? What should we be prepared for? Elections coming up. What's, what's happening? It's a hard year to be an astrologer in that way. That question is a hard one. And I think that- You got you bad know, news for us. <laughs> you know, we're like how many days into 2020 and what's already happened? Yeah. Like right before the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which is about power, control, people that want to induce fear into the into the water water streams of our consciousness and reptilians. Life. Reptilians, <laughs> you know, wanted we're trying to start war, and wherever we're at at this very hour with that, I don't know because it changes all the time. But it was very it's a very draconian kind of setup. And it definitely talks about the ways in which systems are crumbling, failing, don't work, the big transformation that needs to happen. Of course, death of patriarchy is how we, a lot of us hope that that will kind of like roll out. And also what does that mean? And does that 
bring us all down with like our systems are obviously not sustainable. The way in which the world works is not sustainable and we need actual literal structural change. And that's Saturn, Pluto, all of that. And then also, you know, it fell very close to the Queens or on the Queens ascendant, the queen of, of yeah, Queen Elizabeth. And, you know, her grandson was like, I'm not into the structure. Yeah. And I'd, I'd rather choose my wife. And actually this is, this is about white supremacy and racism. And my wife is not, and therefore I, and this, this is my family and this is, I'm done. <laughs> and so like the system of the monarchy that is, had a, a huge kind of blow to its, to the way it functions. And so that happened all around that time. Um, it was also eclipse time. So all of that stuff was coming up security, you know, the, the talk of national security is, it was a cancer eclipse. It was very much about that, you know, make people feel nationalistic and afraid for their safety and you can manipulate them in any way, shape or form you need to, you know, so all that stuff is happening. Then at the end of the year, we have um, Saturn is going to be changing signs. Jupiter is going to change signs and they're going to meet up and it's called the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, also known as the great conjunction. For thousands of years, astrologers have looked to that conjunction as the beginning and is the ending and beginning of new cycles. It's a 20, it happens every 20 years, but every 200 years, it happens in a new element. So it's been happening for 200 years in an earth sign, in earth signs. And this is the first time it's going to happen in an air sign. And so it's the end of a 200 year cycle and the beginning of a new one. So before we get there, there is a Venus retrograde. Okay. But then in September, there's a Mars retrograde. And Mars retrogrades tend to bring up our anger and division and that kind of hostility that Mars. It's interesting timing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, in November, there's a Mercury, October, November, there's a Mercury retrograde. So, Mercury is going to be stationing direct on November 4th. Whoa. And Mars will still be retrograde. Isn't that? Isn't it? Election day. Yeah. Isn't it? Wow. wow. <laughs> so, when. Gore lost oh. to Bush. Mercury was stationing retrograde on that election day. This Mercury is going to be stationing direct. So no one knows what exactly that, how it's actually going to unroll. But during 2016, there was a Mars retrograde. And I don't know if you remember there being a lot of anger and unreasonable uh, acts of violence and all kinds of mayhem, but I do. And it was in alignment with that. There was more than that happening, but that was one of the main things happening. And so I expect there to be quite a lot of that kicking about. So what I think is very important for us is to get a hold of and understand the impact of our anger and our rage, where it is, where it is, you know, it's, if it's justified, it's justified. And also, how are we a part of putting that out into the world? How do we take responsibility for that power that we have? Where are we directing it? What are we doing with it? Because the end of the year is so defining in terms of like big cycles for the earth, everything we do leading up to it is very important. Who we choose as leaders, how we get through all that, all of that's huge. And it's defining. And so how we end one cycle and begin another is very important. It's mm -hmm. kind of like when you leave a relationship, 
how you leave is really important. It's as important as how you were in the relationship, mm-hmm. a friendship, a leaving a city, leaving a romantic relationship. And if it's painful and hard, and if the relationship was abusive or something awful, then how you leave it has to be about having dignity for yourself, right? It's not that you have to, you owe anybody else anything, but it's like, how do I have dignity and integrity in this situation? I owe that to myself. And so we can think of this year as also that, but it's a year that's incredibly defining and incredibly important in terms of our human evolution. But you don't need an astrologer to tell you that. You can feel that. Yeah. yeah. Australia is on fire. Mm-hmm. And the person who runs this country is not to be trusted with anything, let alone nuclear codes, and is just chomping at the bit for a war because it's an election year. And the setup astrologically says that. And so it's like, well, this is what the astrology is saying. We're living in it. This is it. This is, we are, you can just turn on the news and see the astrology. It's so verbatim. Like when that happened, all the astrologers at the beginning of the year were like, like we didn't want it. You know what I mean? Like we we could see it and we're like, okay, maybe it's not as, maybe it's not as severe as it looks. And then that happened and everyone was like, okay, so here we are. Yeah. And so here we are. This is it. It's not something unknown to you or me. It's like, it's written everywhere and it's on every broadcast. And this is the astrology. It's like, what do we, what do we do? How can we stay as much as possible out of those moments of like feeling we're in crisis, but we're not so that we can be present and conscious and fully available to the moment because that's the only place that our power is. My only power is right here. I don't know what the future, I don't, I don't know. None of us do but we can only be here and as like open to the moment as possible. Taking that in. <laughs> yeah, it's really powerful. That, yeah, with, you know, I, don't, I don't watch the news as much as maybe I should, but also, you know, boundaries. Mm-hmm. But I do find when I let it in, it is like you just, you latch on to those chaotic yeah. things and stories and events and yeah. it kind of then starts to circulate in your own life too. Yeah. So I love that idea of being in that present moment so that, you know, the fear of the future doesn't take over. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to do us any good. Yeah. Um, What are you personally working on this year? If there's an intention for your year, you know, a lot of like what we talk about on the podcast is just hopefully making people feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, the book is how I'm starting the year. That's yeah, incredible. It's so good. Last night, we just found out that it was a New York Times bestseller. Oh, no way! <laughs> so you're like, I have to go to Almost 30 to celebrate. That's amazing. Exactly. We're yeah. celebrating today. Wow. Dang, that is awesome. Congrats. Yeah. And again, it was, uh, you know, you don't do this alone. And there were definitely some obstacles to making sure there was yeah. enough books in circulation and such. A good thing. Don't let anybody underestimate you. People will underestimate what you're capable of. Make sure you do everything you can for your art and your work Mm. and fight for it. That book has made me fight for so much that I didn't know how to fight for before. And it has stretched me in every single way. And we've been underestimated many times in the process of it. And it is a very frustrating process and also incredibly satisfying to know that you, that we are, and I, again, encourage all of you listening to 
be loud and to be obnoxious and to pester people and to be adamant about the things that you know to be true about your work. Do not let anybody else's laziness or apathy or distraction deter mm. you from being the advocate that your work needs you to be. Because that is that is a manifestation of your hard work and labor. And it whatever you put yourself into, you you are allowed to fight for it. Don't let any system or institution tell you that you are being too much and that you should settle for anything because it's not true. And it's up to you to make sure that that, that that doesn't get the best of your hard work. So the book and also, you know, learning how to be that, that next, you know, the book is, I feel like it's rebirthing me and how, what it means. And I've got, we've got a lot of other really exciting projects that are also about to come out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the book, I'll put it out. And then I got to get to get, I got to get to all this other work and all these other projects that I, that I'm like so excited to put out into the world. And now the book's come and I'm like, oh God, I actually have to pay more attention to the book too. Like it's got its own life and Mm -hmm. it's doing its thing. And um, so it's all of that. And I hope that it helps people feel less alone. I hope that it helps validate you because I think that if you can radically accept yourself, you can more quickly move into the world in a way with confidence and determination to do the thing that you're here to do because we need you. Like we desperately need you and we need all of us in, in, in. And that's what 2020 is about. Like it's it's a year to be all in. And whatever that means for you, I promise that will push you to do things that you didn't think you could. And in in the process, it will open up so much for you. The book is You Were Born for This, Astrology for Radical Self-Acceptance. And I have it by my bed and it is amazing. The branding is so... Thank you. So you. Hot fucking you know what I mean? Thank you. Like, Thank you. I got it and I was like- I'd be so proud. That's about right. <laughs> it is. Do you have a like, hard copy? I know I have this exact one. Okay. Because yeah. the hard copy is so pretty. Is it sick? I should have brought you one. I'm so sorry. Okay. We'll go by. I, we'll, we got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to get it. But thank you for making the time. We thank you for busy, having me. This was like a grounding conversation oh, at the beginning okay. of the year that I think a lot of people will really appreciate. Thank yeah. you. Where can people find you? People can find me at channynicholas.com and on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at the same handle. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. 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 Thanks so much, Channy. We loved having you on the show. And if you'd like to get Channy's new book, You Were Born for This, Astrology for Radical Self-Acceptance, it is available everywhere books are sold. Go to channynicholas.com to learn more about Channy and all that she offers. Yeah. And if you're interested to do, to do the retreat, almost30podcast.com slash retreat, it is going to be magic. And then the Jenna Zoe event is available on our website, almost30podcast.com. That is digital. So it is available for anyone all over the world. We have tons of digital downloads with that. You can ask her questions and it'll be really helpful for you understanding your human design. All right. Review of the week. Whoop, whoop. Truly life-changing. Oh. Five stars. Julie. Five stars. Julie. Five stars from Julie. Julie from the US. <laughs> I've waited for too long to write a review, but here I am finally doing it. I've listened, I've listened to the podcast for almost three years now. And, and to say it has been life-changing is an understatement. It has completely changed my worldview and helped me to reveal and love my true self. 
It has helped me to shed layers so that I can fully embrace who I am. I'm a better friend and a more conscious human because of everything I've learned from you, as well as from all of the amazing men and women you've had on the podcast. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do to bring this community to us. I'm so incredibly grateful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. So Thank you guys sweet. for writing sweet reviews. It just means a lot, you know, just to take a second and just really say something nice. So yeah. thank, thank you so much for being a part of our community. You can follow Almost 30 Podcast at Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram, on Twitter. There's a secret Facebook group where there are 15,000 plus women connecting every single day. It's the most supportive place on the internet. And then we also have an ambassador program. And the ambassador program really helps for people to create community where they are. So if you feel like you're alone, you're different, that you're the only one in your hometown or city that is going through something or that feels different or that feels like they, they want to express something different in the world, the ambassador program is for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you on the next one. See you soon. Bye. Bye.